Oh, interesting. Once someone moves into having some managerial responsibility, you start uh-huh. measuring not just because they're still in the field doing work for clients yeah. directly, but then you're also measuring how employees feel under them, which I think right. is probably a system that is overlooked a lot in in the the scale of business that we're talking about. Hey, welcome back to the Lightspeed Lawn Care Marketing Podcast. I am your host, as always, Cody Owen, sitting down today for a returning guest, Martha Woodward from Quality Driven Software. And we are having Martha back on because I was talking to a friend not that long ago, and he was telling me about a problem he was having with a new management position that he is in. And I was like, I really think you should listen to my last interview with Martha. And he came back and he said, hey, I would really love to hear more about the career ladder that she mentioned. And so I immediately fired off. Well, I waited for Martha to be done with the big quality driven conference. And then I emailed her immediately after (laughs) um, to get her back on. So Martha, thanks so much for, for hopping back on with us. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I mean, I was going to say it's a topic that I love, but I kind of love any of those topics. So uh, nothing new there, but yeah. So career ladder, want me to just start? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just jump in and kind of, I guess for anyone who's not a hundred percent sure what a career ladder is, can you walk us through just like a simple definition and then we'll, we'll go a little deeper. Yeah. And you know, I think it, People typically think of a career ladder like at large corporations. Mm-hmm. And uh, for instance, my daughter is, uh, my oldest, is a UX designer and they have 10 levels. That's how they describe their career ladder. Uh, theirs is very much based on longevity, mm-hmm. not work performance. I'm not a big fan of that. But career ladder is just going to be what are the possibilities for growth and promotion within the company? And like I say, within small businesses, not even just home service businesses, but small businesses, most people think, well, I can't have a career ladder. I mean, we're just tiny, you know, and promote um, someone out of the field. I would have to find someone to go into the field. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and it is true. You would have to be a certain size, but even, you know, even five employees, you could create one or two positions within those five employees so that there's somewhere for them to go. Cause at the end of the day, really, Nobody wants to accept a position at a company and think that it's going, you know, it's going to be a company they can stay at if there's no room for advancement. Yeah. And I guess I should add the employees that we want to hire. Exactly. Because those people who have no aspirations whatsoever are probably not the ones we're really wanting anyway. So you have to provide that for them. And a career ladder becomes a great recruiting tool, too. You know, you can absolutely use it as your differentiator on, hey, 
even though we're a small business or, hey, even though we're a home service company, we have these levels within our company for room for advancement. So I guess let's start with how do you even come up with the levels and defining those? So the best thing that I can tell you is that you would basically list out all of the major functions in your business, like uh, payroll, quality, uh, customer sales and interactions. And, you know, you just kind of list out all your tasks yeah. and what you need done for your, you know, to reach your goals. So for most of us, our big growth goal revolves around either a revenue goal or a uh, could be a quality goal or something, but typically a revenue goal. So what are the things that need to happen to reach that goal, that revenue goal? And it is, you know, there's things around your client satisfaction, employee satisfaction, uh, sales, etc. And then under each one of those segments, those areas, you kind of divide it further on, okay, so what constitutes client satisfaction? And, and you break it all down. And then you look at how you could group those. So for instance, I, you know, I have tech. So actually to cheat a little bit, I start with trainee as the first level. And mm. for us, that was really appropriate because only about 50% actually got out of training. Yeah. So it actually was a bump. So we had the trainee level was level one. Technician was level two. Lead technician, level three. Field manager, level four. And then office managers, level five. But uh, as far as somebody coming in the field, they pretty much had four levels because most of them didn't get promoted into the office manager. Oh, I know one I forgot for the trainee side was a trainer. Yeah. <laughs> so you have lead technician, trainer, then field manager. Okay. Yeah. This feels like very similar to, I worked for an Alamo draft house in college, mm -hmm. the dine-in movie theater. And we uh -huh. had a very similar, like you came in as a trainee and then right? you became kind of the next year was being a greeter. And that is not like mm -hmm. a hostess at a restaurant. It was when the theater seats, you know, it's like a restaurant getting 200 uh, customers at once. So it's like, yeah. it's a big dance to get that done. And so uh -huh. you would be paired with a server, which is the next tier, who's kind of like an independent yeah. person. You'd be paired with them to go and get drink orders. So you would just run uh -huh. through and do that to get things started for them. And then they would take over the theater after that. And so you had servers and then you had trainers and shift leads. And then that was your like first tier of management after that. 
So this right. is a this kind of system kind of naturally develops in a business of a certain size because you're always even if you have not done anything to make this happen, the people who have been there a little longer are who new people are going to look to when when they have a question about how something should get done. And so you can even mm -hmm. look at this when you're trying to implement this system. And Martha, obviously, you're the expert in this. Please contradict me at any point. No. <laughs> and actually, what you said, I, I was sitting here thinking, you know, I never really thought about that. It does naturally evolve. I mean, like, before I had a career ladder, I absolutely was like, hey, can you train this person for me? You know, can you blah, 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 blah. And so I, I might have been, or, you know, can you be a mentor to this person and, you know, you're responsible for watching out for them, you know, kind of thing. Uh, so you're right. The roles do develop organically mm -hmm. and, uh, but the problem with organically developing and there's no formal structure to it is I think you lose the whole celebration part, yeah. you know, like rewards and recognition part about moving to those next levels. Where you have people excited about being given more responsibility. Yeah. If you don't do it correctly, no. Exactly. Uh, my, yeah. My first job in a restaurant, uh, the this was my very first job. I was in high school and the person who was training me asked how much I was making. And I told her, and I, you know, got a talking to from management after that because she found out that I was getting paid more than her to be trained by her. And so when you have these like unofficial positions and then, you know, it probably leads to some other sloppy organic practices like not increasing people's pay with time. Right. Um, and then you end up with situations like that where she was really angry and, you know, was considering quitting. Because, you know, she'd been there for three or four years, had been responsible enough to become a trainer. And, you know, they plucked this kid from the local high school off the street to get paid more than her. Yeah. And that's such a pet peeve. The, the not having transparent pay is such a is such a pet peeve of mine because that should have never happened. One, nobody should ever be asked to withhold information to their, you know, their coworker other than personal information, of course. But yeah, I worked in a place too that before that situation ever happened, we were told, hey, keep your pay to yourself and do not say, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, then what does everybody want to do? Yeah. Everybody wants to, uh, hey, why are we having to hide this? What do you make? You know, yeah. I mean, well, it's just a kind of asinine thing. And our pro tip for our listeners today, uh, discussing pay is a federally protected right. So you cannot punish employees for disclosing pay to each other. So even if you're trying to keep it a secret, number one, you're encouraging it. Whatever you're doing yeah. that you want to keep secret is probably not a good scalable business practice. And number three, you can end up in legal hot water by, by punishing people. Yeah. And as soon as you say something like that, then it's like, all right, 
what other shady practices are going on around here, you know? Exactly. So, yes, as part of, and I put this here, that's from my Dusting Divas maid service days. We had that on the wall and our career ladder absolutely spelled out what you had to do to be able to move from level to level, like how would you qualify? Mm -hmm. And it would not only say the pay range, but it would also say any other benefits at that level. Yeah. Because you, you, my goal was always, and this was just how we handled most everything. I'm lazy. I don't want to track everything. And I always say, listen, it's your bonus, or in this case, it's your promotion. So I'm putting it all out there for you. And if you notice before I notice that you've met these requirements, that's why I made it transparent. And then you can come to me and then we can review that on, yes, you did, or no, you just need this part. Uh, But Pay was very transparent and it was part of the the career ladder yeah. is that, yes, generally pay was climbing as you took on extra responsibilities. So I think probably like someone going from trainee to, you know, like a, a normal crew member is probably mm-hmm. pretty clear that it's just like they need to be able to do the job uh, correctly. But what is the the move between a crew member to a lead technician, I think is the, the next tier you described. Yeah. So I did, I'm, I'm cheating and looking at my notes, but so to move to that next level, then I believe what I have in my ladder over here, and I try to make everything as objective as possible. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that I required was, of course, their quality score, because if if they're going to be the lead technician, I, I need to know that they can provide a high level of service if they're going to be responsible for somebody else. Uh, and I also had that they, partic- they actively participated in meetings. And that was that's not that objective. But what I'm looking for is I'm looking for a leader, you know, and I'm looking for somebody who isn't afraid to speak up, you know, isn't afraid of giving their opinions or giving constructive feedback, etc. So I needed to see that they had some leadership skills. And that was one of the ways. Now, I know some people require like, you know, maybe you read a certain book and then report back that that's a skill that you've obtained, something like that. And then also, I mean, they, they're going to just need to be in good standing with attendance and the other things. So I think... You know, I think uh, being seeing the leadership qualities and then the quality score were like two biggies to move. Yeah. So that moves someone. Can you kind of tell us the responsibilities of the lead tech? Because I know cleaning is a little bit different than lawn care in that, you know, cleaners usually work in solo or in small teams. 
Yeah. So, uh, gosh, from solos to teams of three gotcha. is typical. Uh, but so a lead tech is now going to have some productivity requirements because they are responsible for their team. Gotcha. Okay. So I now want them, my technician, I needed them to be meeting budgeted time, but my lead tech, they're going to know a little bit more about uh, job costing and meeting productivity standards. Gotcha. Uh, definitely quality control. They have a threshold they have to meet for that. And then one of the new things that is part of their responsibility is their direct reports uh, happiness score. So, oh. you know, that is something that would be measured and that they're tasked with because I think we're all aware that your direct supervisor, maybe not the boss, not high level management, but your direct supervisor can absolutely run an employee off. Yeah. 100%. And so, yeah. And so at the lead technician level and at the trainer and the field tech level, I need them to have some ownership on whoever reports to them their employee happiness score. Oh, interesting. So it's interesting that the once someone moves into having some managerial responsibility, you start uh -huh. measuring not just because they're still in the field doing work for clients yeah. directly, but then you're also measuring how employees feel under them which I think right. is probably a system that is overlooked a lot in, yeah. in the, the scale of business that we're talking about. Yes. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I can think of, gosh, you know, just within my own family, you know, two kids, one husband, I can think of more than five instances of where, one of them either left a job or really wanted to leave a job because of a direct, their direct report. And maybe, you know, loved everybody else, but this one person just made them miserable. So it's a crucial, crucial part of it. And it, you know, you have to look at it from the employee side that, the dynamics change, you know, when it's a coworker, okay, that's unpleasant, but it, when it's my direct supervisor, then there's that extra layer of not only is it unpleasant, you just don't want to be there. Yeah. I do think that your, the system that you're describing does get rid of one of the like big points of friction with having a bad supervisor, which is your opportunity for advancement is not mm -hmm. incredibly subjective because I think right. everybody has had the experience of you have a supervisor that you guys are just, you know, a little bit like oil and water and you know that they're never going to say something positive about you in a meeting about right. advancement because they just personally don't like you. But having this objective ladder defined gives you uh -huh. the opportunity to say like, hey, I've hit the qualifications to advance. And, you know, you can advocate for yourself against an objective standard. 
uh, versus right. like, well, you know, Cindy just doesn't like me, so I'm never going <laughs> to get ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in the old days, oh, I'm sure it still happens, but I mean, we always had the the term suck up <laughs> in the old days. You did have those relationships where, you know, there was somebody who tried to be kind of the teacher pet and then that person was fooled, but maybe behind the scenes was horrible, you know, as far as a coworker, et cetera. When you base those decisions on likability and, and, and it's not even group likability. It's this one-on-one <laughs> whoever's making the decision, yeah. deeming them likable or not. And that's how you move them up. Then that system is pretty des- destined to fail because we all know people can trick you and, mm-hmm. you know, put on false fronts. So yeah. And, and from the employee's standpoint, you know, people shouldn't have to guess how to excel in their work. They should know what's expected. And then what do I have to do to grow in this company? Yeah. So clear, clear, measurable objectives. I remember being given feedback that was like, we need you to be more like this. And it would be something that was so subjective that it was like, I, this, I I don't want this as one of my goals in my job. How could I possibly, this isn't measurable. Like I'm dependent on somebody else's interpretation of actions they're not even seeing. So let's talk about, we're at the lead technician level. They have some direct reports. They have quite a bit of responsibility. We're now measuring Uh client feedback and employee feedback on this person, what gets Mm -hmm. them to the trainer level? So it is, uh, I might have to cheat. Uh, Let me see. I'll even, I'll even edit out the cheating. So you just look like you knew it offhand. So again, it's going to be in my company, it's going to be a lot based on quality score, but this time it uh, was based on a rating from all the employees on basically cooperate. You know, there were certain things uh, based on cooperation slash teamwork. Uh, we had questions like this was kind of a litmus test is would you want this person to be your partner day to day? Mm. And it and it was based on quality of work. Would you want this person so that we could eliminate the personality part? But then we also assessed the teamwork part. So that's what we're looking for is someone who, because they've already met the team lead requirements, which showed that they were, they did have some leadership qualities. Mm -hmm. Now I need to know, do they, are they a team player? Do they get along with really everyone in the company? Uh, And would like, would everyone be willing to work with this person? Yeah. So 
And then once they are in that position, kind of similar stats that they're measured on as far as quality. But this time, uh, they're going to be their, let's see, the trainer position. Now, the trainer position is a little bit different because they can be, again, this is my company, mm-hmm. But they can be a team lead who is qualified to be a trainer. And they're only a trainer when we have somebody to train, if that makes sense. So as far as the employee happiness scores, then we'll get that from any graduate of theirs. Uh, But like I say, that may be, depending on our hiring status, that may be happening often (laughs) if we're hiring a lot of people or, you know, you may have a hiatus in between, but similar things as far as we need to know, are the trainees feeling like they got the knowledge and they do all these ratings when they get out of training. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we have a trainee, the trainer is sitting down with the trainee at the end of every day, but the trainee will evaluate the trainer at week one and week two. Yes. Yeah. And I remember that uh, happening at the the restaurant where we had like surveys about your, your trainer and how it went. And I remember that that made them invested in, because we had to memorize cocktail recipes, what went on, certain pizzas, all the burgers, all of that. And you got tested on it. And so they would be in the break room with you. You know, they're still running a whole theater, um, but Uh they'd come into the break room with you and be like quizzing you on cocktail recipes to make sure that you knew what you were supposed to know for the exams. Right, right. Because if there's a certain level of like, if you're running all the trainees away or the trainees are getting out. So I didn't penalize the trainees because we, that was part of our weeding out process. So I did not penalize the trainers on the trainees leaving. Mm -hmm. What I did penalize them on is if the trainee got out of training and didn't know what they were doing. Ooh, yeah. So that's where I judge them. And then kind of later in the company, uh, we only had this the last couple of years, but the trainer actually then switched to the mentor role. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that was not on the career ladder, but what I did was I had at three months and six months that trainer could actually get some bonuses at three months and six months for the person they trained. And that was based on, yeah. And so what I did is I based that on not only continued mentoring as far as like quality of work, but also engagement. So Uh, You know, we had things like for three months and six months, they had to get their trainee to at least one, uh, what I want to say, one of our 
off work functions that we would do. And because what we knew is the more entrenched that trainee became with the other employees and bonded, you know, made friendships, blah, 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 then they were more likely to stick. But what we found was like we had these monthly activities that we would do. And what we found is a new person, especially if you're really shy and introverted, you're not going to go. So then that's when we took the trainer position and then had switched more into a mentor responsibility. And so a lot of times they'd even go pick them up to bring them to the function. So that worked out well. Uh, Again, it wasn't a requirement to move into that position or anything, but it was just a stat. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I think the, on kind of a, a closing note here, I think the thing that you are so good at is aligning the company's objectives and the employee's incentives where mm-hmm. there's no, like a lot of people would, and I've worked at places that that would make it where coming to the company fun event is mandatory and you're going to have a good time. <laughs> and it just never like, it never rubbed me the right way to be told. Like it, it made me not have fun. Um, uh-huh. Whereas if you're making it where someone in the company, they get a positive incentive, they get a bonus if mm-hmm. their people show up to this thing. And so then they're going around and getting people to go. Um, and it reminds me of when I was an RA in college. Yeah, my daughter was an RA. And you are supposed to get, now our stuff was a little more forcible. (laughs) It was like, you know, you're supposed to get your residents to turn out at events. And I, you know, from making, building friendships with my my little underlings in the hallway, I had friends that I could tell like, hey, I'm trying to get, I need some residents to show out for this event. Can you Uh like get three or four people together and we'll walk over together and I, like, at one point I had a resident running the hallways to get people to come down to an event I was holding at the the residence hall. But it's because, yeah. like, if you, you know, the kind of person who has risen into that trainer slash mentor position is the kind of person that people like to work for and work with. And so they're mm-hmm. going to be able to leverage those relationships to get people to turn out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. One quick thing that we really didn't touch on, but when you're deciding like your benefits and stuff at the different positions, Mm -hmm. um, definitely pay is, you know, a big part of it. Like, you know, we would be 12 to 14 an hour, 13 to 15. We had that kind of breakdown as they went. But there's a couple other things to keep in mind. Uh, Forms, you know, if you require uniforms, and I got this from a friend of mine, Sarah Martin. She had these t-shirts that the trainers wore. And on the back, it just said trainers. And on the front, you know, was their logo. Mm -hmm. But... If you can elevate somebody's status with their uniforms, that is a good thing. And, you know, like at certain levels, maybe you get polos to wear versus the t-shirts or 
uh, or you get sweatshirts or jackets at a certain level, you can do that. And then you can also, and of course, you've, you've got to know your state laws and everything like that. In Oklahoma, it was pretty free-for-all. Pretty um, Wild West there in Oklahoma. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And thank goodness. But so then I could do fun things in there too. So, you know, being a smaller business, I might not have health insurance and all this at the different levels. But uh, so our demographic was typically single moms. And so at the trainer level, I had something where they could have their choice between a annual zoo pass, family zoo pass, or, you know, I think it was some water park tickets or something like that. And that was just part of their benefits package at that level. But the whole idea is knowing your demographic, knowing who you employ, what do they find valuable and then creating these levels where other than just the status of moving into that position, there's also the feels to it. Mm -hmm. And then the perks that other people aren't getting. So you get all those components yeah. in the different levels. Yeah, the zoo pass, I think is really cool because it is a status thing for the employee mm -hmm. uh, that plays out in front of their family. Uh, and I remember being a kid and thinking that it was so cool that my dad got baseball tickets from work. And it wasn't uh -huh. just that we were going to the baseball game. It was that like, you know, he got these tickets because of his job. Uh, and that just seemed so cool to me. So I, I think that that's really powerful because you're taking a work benefit and letting that be like visible from the employee to their family. Yeah. When they a can really look like part. a hero to their family, then you're winning. You are absolutely winning. And that's why sending those personal notes to the home for a while, we even sent birthday cards with like $5 bills to the kids. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a logistical nightmare in a way. <laughs> so we stopped that. But man, you know, it was cheap and in that you like these days in the VA world, you could absolutely do it. Yeah. You know, I could have carried it off. But in the old days, not as easy. But yes, you're right. Finding what people care about and then tapping in there. And then, like I say, if you can make them look like a hero to the people they care about looking a hero to, then absolutely you're winning. Well, Martha, thank you so much for coming you're on the welcome. show again. You are always a fantastic guest. Your episodes always end up being my, my longest episodes because I love talking to you. Where, it's because I'm a talker. Where where can people find you online if if they're looking for you? Yeah, uh, so Facebook, uh, you can find me quality driven software, or just uh, email me at martha at quality driven But I will say 
You know how that goes. You get a gazillion email messages a day. I almost find that people ping me on Facebook Messenger just because I might notice that more, sadly. Yep. And then you are one of the co-hosts on Fight Club for Business. So mm-hmm. we'll make sure to have a link to that Facebook page as well. Nice. But yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on. We'll okay, figure out what we need you, you for next time. Okay. All right. Bye.